This is Adam Heibel, and you're listening to the Bladeology Podcast. God damn it, now I just went back to that other... Okay. <laughs> Here we go. It's going to record. You're already recording. All right. So, uh, everybody ready? Because we're about to do this. I guess. Uh-huh. All right. So, we're uh, we're going to jump into it like we always do. Welcome to another episode of the Bladeology podcast. We're on this week with Jeff Vandermullen, um, Jeremiah Burbank from PVK Vegas, Chuprin of NCC Knives, Elijah Eichen from Eichen Blade Works, and Jeff, Jeff. So Jeff, uh, let, let's jump into it. Uh, what are you working on right now? What's going on in the shop today? Working on a ballet song for you, actually. Oh, is that right? The Mokotai, orange-peeled Mokotai handles. I got them all colored right before the conversation here, and then uh, I just got a shorten up the stop pins and pivots to get her timed out right and nice and tight. Nice. Yeah, I right. that one yesterday. What's that? I saw pictures of that one yesterday. Yep, that's the one. That's pretty awesome. Now are you doing are you make are you building anything for the shows? Or you're not attending uh Cali or Blade West? No, I'm not doing any shows until the gathering next year, I think. I might do Blade Show this year. I'm not sure yet. You gotta do Blade Show. What's that? You gotta do Blade Show. I know, but... You always do it. I mean, you've never missed since you've... Uh, I didn't go there. last year. You didn't? Uh, well, I could have sworn you were there. No, I've been there every year since 2012, I believe, except for last year. Oh, wow. So, um, so Jeff, what was what year was your first Blade Show? I believe it was 2012, maybe 2011. Okay. And I you... shared a table with Jeremy Marsh, my first show. Oh, there we go. So that, that's and perfect. I... So it's a little history for you. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you How did you get into knife making? What where did Where did you um, Where did you start? Give us a little history. <laughs> it started when back when I when I was married, my wife just like quit coming home, and I was sitting around it was the winter so it was dark by the time i got home from work nothing to do i was playing around on facebook every night after work and said this sucks i need something to do and i called up jeremy and said hey i gotta come over and make some knives jeremy was a friend of yours before yeah yeah i had i had made um one knife with him i was i got laid off from brigade fire protection where i used to work for about nine years I got laid off, and uh, when I got laid off, I went over to his place and made a knife, uh, Vanquish, frame lock with a W2 blade on it. And about a year later, that's when I called him during the winter and said, I got to come over and make some knives. And I started making uh, a mini Vanquish and a couple other knives. I think I started three of them, never completely finished them. And he said dude, you should design your own. And that's where I, I designed the intro and then the mini intro. And then he told me that if they turned out good, I should go to Blade Show with them. And then he goes, 
you should go to Blade Show. And I went to Blade Show and sold them all to Arizona Custom Knives. They bought all the mini intros, and the intros went over to Russia. Oh, wow. Okay. So, oh, so Arizona took a so, chance on you before you even actually sold anything. Yeah. Not like them. Well, well that's cool. Yeah, they, I mean, and the thing that's cool that I think is cool is that my first knives, I always think of them like, man, those that they weren't any good, you know, because they were like I didn't know what I was doing. But when I see it, when I see one of those knives today, I'm like, holy shit, this is this thing's nice. You know, it's weird, but I know exactly. I know exactly how you feel. Sometimes I just got like an old one that's like four years old in warranty. I was like, oh, this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and there, it's, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's weird, though, how we think that, but we wouldn't be where we are if we made shitty knives, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. Those intros, those were the, uh, the Bowie design, right? The original? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And that, that design, actually, um, I used to carry a Buck 110 folder, and I loved it. I, I used it for everything. And so I so wanted your to, beefy buck one ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has. It doesn't even look like one or really resemble it, but that's what same concept. I to make a knife similar to that, like hmm. something like that. But you know, I didn't look at it or trace it or anything when I did it. I just that's what I had in my mind. Well, that's good. It's and, a practical blade shape. Yeah, I like it. It's. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's your basic knife, really. And then uh. So I made that intro, and then uh, Tyler Hensley bought one from me, and he asked me if I had ever thought about making a intro with a double choil, like to choke up on. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I could do that. So I kind of started messing around with a little pattern. I'm like, this looks gay. I go, if I'm going to build it, I want to build something that you can worth choking up on. And that's where the double homicide came from. There you go. All right. Stepping it up. Yeah. And it, I mean, they don't even look the same at all, but that's how the, that's the evolution of the double homicide. How it came about. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people just, you know, they, they challenge you or they ask you to do something and it seems, it seems crazy at the time, I guess. And then you do it and you're like, okay, it's just, it develops uh, into something. Right. Yeah, when I did it originally, I had no idea how to do a compound grind or anything. And he's like, oh, that looks sick with a compound grind. And I'm like, shit, I don't know how to do a compound grind. <laughs> and no, That's all you do. Like, what, what's that? Yeah, no, that, no, that's all I do. But uh, yeah, that's how, that's how that came about. And then just the grind and the finger grooves, that came like after, I don't know, probably eight or ten double homicides the original now which one was the investigator i think i had an investigator instigator instigator Instigator. like a persian yeah uh yeah okay so that's what i because i got that after jim skelton did a video i got on your pre-orders it's a long time ago what'd you do with it i sold them when i sold my whole collection when i went full-time gotcha is that that long ago damn i didn't realize that yeah, I went full time five years ago. So it was right before that. Huh. Jeff, how did the instigator right. come about? Um, I asked this guy <laughs> named Elijah. It was half queer. 
if he wanted to design, if he could, because he, well, Elijah, I forget what he did first for me. I think he, I think he drew that, or you, however you want to say it, drew my, <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. my homicide, like based off the double homicide, you, you drew that smaller version of that. That's yeah, how, that. that's how we came into contact. And then, uh, I was asking you about if you wanted to drop a Persian, because when I do patterns or when I design a knife, I can't draw. So I basically take my crayons out and crayons rough something out on a piece of G10 and then grind it until it fits my hand good. And I make it work from there. So I basically build off the pattern. And even when they're drawn on CAD, I take that CAD drawing and cut it out, trace it or whatever, or cut it out, and then uh, I take some uh, 3M glue and glue it onto a piece of aluminum or G10 and then cut it out and grind it to the lines, and that's the base pattern for that model. So you don't do, you don't do any CAD? No, I know how to draw on CAD. I, I, I was an engineer designer for Brigade for several years. Um, but for me, when I'm looking at the computer screen, I need to feel, I need to be hands-on. Like, I, you know, you draw a radius, you draw something that looks cool, and then you print it off, and it's like, whoa, this doesn't even fit in the hand, or, you know, it's mm. oblong. I, I just have to, I don't know, I'm more of a hands-on type of person. Yeah, you got to be able to feel the proportions and everything. Yeah. You know, the ratio exactly. can switch up when you print it off, and it can be totally different. Yeah, so for me, it's just easier just to do that. But it is nice to have it on CAD. And it's a pain in the butt to draw something that you already have the pattern for, to draw that on CAD. I mean, to take the measurements and radiuses and arcs and all that crap. Mm. Yeah. That's why I got a 3D printer. I've had it for like nine months. I've still yet to set the thing up. Just leave Once it you do, though, you're, you'll be doing it forever. No. Yeah, once I opened the box, I realized how many pieces that thing is. I was like, "Oh God!" It's, like it's just a like a little. It's a little hot. It's like a micro. Have your dad set it up. So yeah, that's right. You got an employee now. That's why I know about it. Have your employee. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to set it up so that way, if it's not working right, I can trace it back. So Jeff, so all of all of your prototyping is done in, in like a proper old school way. Like you you hand grind all the prototypes before you do anything. If it doesn't feel right, it's it's no good. It doesn't make the cut. Basically, yeah. Mm, I dig it. So what I, what pro Go ahead. ahead. Well, I've got a box. I've got a box where I, I save all my like I've got the original thoughts or whatever on the double homicide mm. or even the homicide. And they look goofy. I just kind of set them aside and threw them in a box and I don't know. But I, yeah, I save all my little, I don't know if you'd even call them prototype models or whatever, but my concepts, little, call them. Little concept doodads. Yeah. So what's, what's you like, how do you, with with new models or models you're working on, like you have a, you have a whole box of stuff, um, you just wake up in the middle of the night and start drawing stuff? You just grind, because you're, you're grinding a lot of synthetics here, so uh, what's what's I, the process? I don't have anything, I don't have any new models going on, and I'm not even really thinking about any. Um, well, I've got, actually, I do have something in mind. 
but it's going to be more of a one-off thing. Hmm. Um, well, I saw you working on a, I think you had like a trapper or, or a slip joint. Oh, that you yeah. Did. Yeah, that, that was actually, um, that was a kit that I had bought back when I first started making knives. It was a little slip joint kit yeah. I got off like knifekits.com or something or USA Knife Maker. Uh, yeah, and, I, was USA Life I got I, one of those. No, too, I actually the water I bought that kit at Blade Show from. Uh, you think USA Life Maker? Because I got them too, but like the water jetting was so shit that the thing didn't even line up right. Yeah, it um, the it didn't have the right parts. The stop pins uh, and the pivot were the wrong size, and so I couldn't even build it back then. And I redid the I opened up all the um the pins to hold the knife together i opened those up to eighth inch and five thirty seconds on the blade pivot and then just threw it together and it's basically like legos you know mm. i built it i'm gonna throw it in a drawer and never use the thing there you go <laughs> it'll go in my giant drawer of fixed blades that i just build so when i don't if i don't feel like working I'm still making knives. Right. That's when I make my fixed blades or something for myself. Or, I don't know, last week I made a screwdriver um, screwdriver handle out of G10. I just layered it up, epoxied it, turned it down on the lathe. And I'll make the dugouts or one-headers, stuff like that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, so the, the first time I, I think I was introduced um, to your knives was at least a few years ago, but... Uh, yeah, it was about the, three or four, I think. When... Yeah, the the naming is is uh very aggressive. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about that. Is it just uh, is it is it for shock value or is it is it a practical description of the of the tool? Um, the intro was named. I thought about naming it the intro, and then I saw at the knife show, Arizona Custom Knives asked me what model it or what's the name of the model? And I go, I haven't really named it yet. I go, I guess I'll go with intro. That makes sense. That's where that came from. Then after the intro, I designed the Barely Legal, which is basically, it's pretty damn close to like a, just a smaller intro, but it's got a bigger belly, you know, a shorter handle. And that one's called barely legal because i made it the blade is 3.9 inches which four inches is i don't know the standard legal limit okay all right that's why it's called barely legal everyone thinks sexual or something when it comes to that but uh and then the double homicide was named that because the double choil and it just looked like a murder weapon oh i gotcha and then i don't remember what there was the double homicide and then the homicide, obviously, because it's just a single. And there's the, the homosaurus. The the homosaurus. That's that name came from. I think someone commented on Instagram, hmm. and I thought, dude, that's that's what it's going to be called. Wait, homosaurus? I've always thought it was homosaurus. That was a joke. No, that's. <laughs> 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 I always thought it was homosaurus. I've heard people call that, call it that, and then, well, there's a on Instagram someone hashtag 
um, Jeffy, like, homicide or something. And I went through, I went and sent him DMs. I'm like, hey, you got that hashtag wrong. You might want to change it. And I don't know if there's any out there, but. I, he was <laughs> like, no, nah, I, got, I, I got it right. <laughs> That's all. I was always sure. I thought you. I thought you named it that as a joke. Okay, that makes more sense. No, because <laughs> you've you've actually you've only made a couple of those, right? That's actually like a I've little. Made, uh, I think I think there's three of them, three or four in circulation, and I have one. Okay, I, I have the second you, to you last keep, one. You keep hmm. a lot of your own knives, unlike any other maker I know. Dude, I love knives. <laughs> I can't That's afford to buy. Good. I can't afford to buy yours, so I make. So do I. I. I love money more, so they end up always leaving my pocket. I mean, that's legit though. If you like, if you like the knives, you're making so much to keep them. Uh, I mean, you're doing something right there. Yeah. Every time I see Jeff, he has a new like, like PC carries. Like last time I saw him, he had a freaking full dress battle song. He's like, I don't want to sell it because it's like Marsh's design, so it's just gonna be in my pocket. I'm like, dude, that's like fifteen hundred dollars of materials in your pocket. That was Dwayne Dwayne Wickham with EDC. Um, that's his design, and yeah, and Jeremy made made a few of them, and then Dwayne said that I could make them too, and he's like, I just like to, he likes to see his, because uh, he he designs and draws stuff, he doesn't actually make things himself, yeah, uh, so he likes to see, you know, people bring it to life or whatever, and and I I like that blade shape. There's something about that blade shape that's just sick. Oh, it looks wicked. I think it's... Yeah, you had it at... Uh, was it USM last year? Yeah, USM last year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely the profile. I had, is, is I had that... Um, yeah, I had that Bailey, Bailey song there, and uh, Dave was throwing it around pretty good. Oh, yeah, uh... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, we were on. We were on the floor, and he was. He was flipping that, getting pretty wild with it. Yeah, I got. Multi fly. Yeah, yeah, I got a little video of him doing it. I posted that on Instagram. So you uh, mostly, you've mostly been making folders, a little bit of ballet songs, and you're saying a lot of your fixed blade work. You just kind of you do as as just for yourself. Yeah, like you don't have a fixed blade model that you just make. Well, I do. I have been. I don't get a lot of orders for fixed blades, and honestly, I don't really know how to price them. You know, mm-hmm. like what? You know, they're my. They're a little more expensive than other like people that just make fixed blades. But um, it's I put the same kind of grind on it, right? Well, I've I've been doing the instigator line of fixed blades. Like I'll do a three and a half inch or three inch or no, let's see. Well, my favorite one is the three inch, just a straight three inch fixed blade. And I wear one around my neck and I've got it ground about half of the blades gone from sharpening it so much. That's how often I use it. Mm. But I'll, I'll take a three and three quarter inch handle and put a four inch or five inch blade on it. Um, I'm doing one right now that's, uh, I actually made a pattern for it. It's for a um, lady that she's a farmer out in uh, New Mexico. And it's a three-inch blade with a three-inch handle, but I shortened up the handle by about an inch so you don't grip it with as many fingers. And it's pretty comfortable. I'm making that with it. It's going to have a galactic bacon blade and some some old micarta to use for the handles. There you go. That old Westinghouse micarta? Uh, I, I opened up the package yesterday to see what the material was, and she had sent me a 
one of my three inch instigators to do a little spa to oh. and it was late and i just got distracted didn't look at the mccarty yet that's pretty cool hmm. yeah, i got some of that old western house there thank you that, that yeah. old og stuff we're gonna find out right now what it is I'm live on the podcast oh it's Those got packages. It's black micarta with uh, copper flakes in it. Oh, okay. What the hell's that? I don't know. It's pretty thick. It's called uh, Cop-O-Rag. C-O-P-O-Rag. Oh, it's trying uh, to be like old rag micarta. Huh. Yeah, yeah, with the copper. <clears throat> They're like copper. It looks like chips like from uh, drilling. Put it, up to the ca- put it up to the camera. Oh, that's uh, weird. Pretty cool. Like, another customer was from uh, China, I think. He was uh, asking me for to quote all these different builds, like five or six. I'm like just full dress and Damascus <laughs> and stainless, satin blasted. You know, just a million com- combinations. And I got back to him constantly. You know, with with all the things and he kept changing his mind and then he ended up sending me this piece of um uh carbon fiber with uh like shreds it's got like little tints of like a metallic blue in there copper he just sent mm-hmm. me that for my time which i thought that was pretty nice you know he oh, didn't for your time that's pretty cool and oh, I nice. a couple knives for myself i think i sold one out of that material <laughs> And I got a little bit of that left. It's cool, but I wish I knew where he got it from. Uh, it was nice of him to, to respect you enough, though, to, to hook it up, you know? Yeah, I have, I have a full price list of stuff nowadays, so I don't have to quote people individual. I just, here's the list. Here are all the prices. Just figure out what you want, and I'll give you advice. I, the yeah, that's what I do. If someone calls and orders, like, an instigator, double homicide with, you know, titanium bolsters and carbon fiber i can give them a pretty good estimate you know within a couple hundred dollars hmm do you, so do you do a lot of i mean do you get a lot of interactions from from collectors through instagram or, or through social media just just contacting you up do you do a lot of private orders i used to i i closed my books um a couple years ago because too many people call and say hey can i gotta get on your books for a whatever model you know and i would just ask if they wanted a frame lock or liner lock at that time just so i could have get the parts ready and then i then i'd contact them or i didn't have the knife ready and they'd be like oh man you know kid just got braces broke his arm wife needed surgery or you know they flake out. there's always an excuse they flake mm-hmm. out well they don't realize you know show a little respect and give me a call give me a heads up say hey you know i really appreciate it when people call or contact me and tell me that they you know they it's not you know their money is going to be tight or you know something happened and they're gonna have to back out that's, that's fine i don't have to talk with anyone doing that but when I got my time into it already, or, you know, you call and 
order a full dress knife and I, I spend $600 or $1,000 on a piece of black time acids or, you know, Zirkatai and ask for um, a down payment. My, when I ask for a down payment, it's just for materials typically. And you call them and ask for the, um, to pay what they said that they would. And then they're like, oh, man, I can't do it right now. And I'm like, oh, shit, I just bought all these materials. Not that I have a hard time using them. Right. Yeah, usually how I do, I do a $60 deposit, non-refundable. That's the hold of your spot. It's, it's refundable to my discretion. So like, if it's like the order is yeah. a really long time or something like that. But if it's like they're just backing out like a month in, like that's not refundable. And then I'll take material deposits on special builds when I start the build. But I, I tend to not like having people's money. I don't like it either. It takes away the incentive of building the knife. Like if, like I will not take a full payment. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, if, if I take your full payment, I'm not making you that knife. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. I'll <laughs> just give you a. Re- I'll give you a refund. It'll be a little bit longer, and and it's not that I choose to do that. It's just the way, you know. I try to be as honest and everything as I can. Yeah. And I take a lot of pride in my honesty. You know, if I screw something up, I'm going to tell you, hey, I screwed this up, man. I had to put a bigger stop pin in there. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, I just I just like people. I just tell people I'm a little too honest sometimes, you know. But, yeah, stuff like that. It's like they're going to think something's wrong with it, but, like, it, there's nothing wrong with it. it just, you know, if, you, if I didn't tell you, you'd never know. I just put a different stop in it. It's a little bigger. Yeah. Jeff, the uh, more than honest knife maker. <laughs> I try. That's all right. It makes up for the for the ones that aren't aren't such. So that's good. Plenty of those out there. Yeah. There's yeah. There's plenty of there's uh what there's good and bad people everywhere. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that's just that's just how that's just how it rolls. Um, so for your, for your knife making, you, you're, you're in your shop and you work, you work primarily from home, right? And you're, you're doing no, no CNC in house or you're just doing, I have not done, I haven't done, I haven't done any CNC or water jetting. Everything, everything that I've sold has been cut on my bandsaw and milled on my bridge port and ground on the TW90. Wow. All right. So that that's how it has been, and that's how it probably will be. Yeah, I worked at. I used to work at out of Jeremy shop before I had anything. I used to be able to park the Grand Cherokee and the Wrangler in the garage every night. Oh, wow! And now I can't even get the Wrangler in here to put the hardtop on there for the winter. I got it's going to take me half a day to move stuff around to do that. So I worked at Jeremy's. I'd work there like. Hmm. More so than you... me, really. I was, I was, I was in a shop. <laughs> like when he'd go in and go to bed or whatever, and I'd be like, "All right, I'm just gonna finish this up," you know. And that was at like two, and then it's like six in the morning, and I'm still there working. And uh, yeah, I got, I got a little carried away for a while with my hours. I was working quite a bit. So you got uh, into it pretty quick, and you were, you were addicted to the knife making. You were having fun. That's why, yeah, that's why I'm a full time knife maker is because I would. Uh, Go to Jeremy's, work on knives until sometimes four in the morning, and then come home, go to bed for an hour, wake up, and go to work. And let's just say I wasn't that productive. 
And then as, as soon as I'd get out of work, I'd grab my toolbox and over Jeremy and just be ramming. Him. So that's, that's where my heart was. And what what time did you become full time? You you were you that was it. Like as soon as you were working with Jeremy, you were hooked. No, I was. I've been working with Jeremy the whole time in his shop. Okay. Because I didn't have any. I didn't have anything, you know. Right. Um. I became full time because I was going to Jeremy's and working there late, and I got laid off from my job. And I had told my I told my wife because I was married at once time. I told her, um, I'm like, I, I just want to make knives. I don't even want to work at Brigade anymore. And she's like, no, uh-uh. And then, uh, <laughs> no, uh-uh. <laughs> and, uh, no, where do you live that you could do that? I, went, I came home from work one day, and I told her that. I go, I got, I don't even know if I got, I'm pretty sure I got laid off. But my boss came up to me and said, Jeff, you got a minute at the end of the day on a Friday? And I'm like, yeah, just a minute. I was like into my work. And uh, I just looked up at him. And I go, do I need to pack up my shit? And he just nodded, kind of gave me a side look and nodded. And I didn't, I was scared as hell because I was going, um, my wife said she was filing for divorce and I lost my job and I got a house to pay for and bills. So I was scared. I didn't know if I could make it. And I asked Jeremy if he thought I could. And he's like, no. So much encouragement. Yeah. At least he kept it real. real. He's like, yeah. going to oh, not. I always say to Megan, like, can I make this? Do you think I, this is a smart idea to go make knives? Like, no. no. Just don't. <laughs> Just don't. Just don't, man. But um, I did. I did. I set a, I set a goal like, that I had to make one. I averaged one and a half knives per week. Okay. And as long as I did that, I'd be fine. So I did that and, you know, I went above and beyond that. And I was doing really, I was doing really good, I think. So you were, you were, you kind of like, you were thinking about it and then you were, you were falling in love with knife making. And then really life was like, look, man, like now's the time. Like you got to do this. I didn't have a choice. You know, sometimes that's 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 the best time. Like people really, you know, we we talk to a lot of people, and I'm sure you know we all do. But sometimes, you know, knife making really is it's that thing that that saves people from from you know doing something else. That, right. Yeah, exactly. Like really, it's and that that's part of what sometimes collectors lose or the market loses track of is this, this is a job. I mean, this is not when you're full time. It's not a hobby. It's it's 100 percent job. You've got bills to pay. Right. And yeah, when I made when I started making knives, and you know, my parents were my dad told me he was proud of me, and you know, my mom, she shows her friends pictures and stuff, and it's a good feeling to that people, you know, that your parents are proud of you for what you're doing, and uh, I don't know, it's just it's rewarding, like just to work with your hands and be able to make a living, and it's nice to not not have to go anywhere. And you're making something that's coming from you. You're not actually working for somebody. Yeah. It's, yeah, some job. Like, you're making something that's from the heart, you know? And I, I, yeah. I, I wish I don't have to go anywhere. I wish my shop was at home working on that. Right now, my shop is 30 minutes away, plus a $12 toll every single day. Mm. Yeah, there's no forgetting stuff at home, then. Yeah, that's not great. Nick just needs to move out of New York. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't mind... 
I wouldn't mind if my shop was a hundred yards away from the house. Like if I had some property and had a pole barn that, you know, you didn't just go walk in. I, that's what I want is I want to do that. And I've been thinking about it, but I just don't have time to move. What state are you in? Michigan. Okay. Yeah. That's my thing. It's like, I pay such ridiculous bills, but like I can literally just move over to PA and save about $1,500 a month. Mm. But, like it's the time moving is also like a thing. It's like, I'm saying, I'll, I'll, I'll save $1,500 a month, but like moving is, is a thing. Like moving this fucking machine here is not easy. Six five thousand pounds of, of yeah, just yeah, just just all right. So you gotta shut everything down, and then you gotta pack it up and move it, and then into your new place, and then you gotta wire the shop, you gotta build the shop, like however you want it. Before you can't just it's not like throwing a bed up and sleeping in your new house, you know. You gotta it's it'll take some time. Like I figured, I gotta save up enough to have like. Two uh, two months off work, probably. Oh, That's wow. essentially like you, you see the camera. This thing, I want when I came into the shop, it was just one big room. Had to build the walls, had to build the ceiling, had to build pretty much everything. There's no electrical, all this electrical. I ran myself. It was there was nothing here. Like, it was about two months of actual build out. Yeah, so that's tables, what... tables and build the electrical, get the outlets where I need them to be, get some air, air lines. Hmm. Yeah, I, I started. I did mine like. My my shop started as a grinding bench that I built, and then I built like a a bulkhead with a bunch of can lights, so it'd be nice and bright. And then uh, then I got a I had this little crappy air compressor, and I got another one, and then now I've got an even bigger one. So I took that crappy air compressor apart and put the tank up in my attic, and then I ran uh. I think three or four inch PVC across the peak of my attic just for air volume storage or whatever. And I just did little things like, you know, as I needed them, you know, when I got the air compressor, that's when I did that, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. Like it slowly expands based on like what you need or what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah, We all all started somewhere. Yeah. I started a four by four bench in the basement apartment building. I don't have this. Yep. What the hell is that? Some giant animal just ran across my roof. That will happen. I live in New York. We don't have any like <laughs> big animals on my roof. It makes no now sense. That, now that I got all this just stuff, though, now to build a shop, you got to build a complete shop. Yeah. Yeah, like all the all the small things kind of come together like that. Yeah, you were saying today that you just um you got ventilation in the shop. Uh, I don't know if I got Sorry. an air filter and actually I'm, I started cause I took after the gathering, when I got home from Vegas, I told myself I was going to take some time off and cause I'm always overwhelmed. I never have time to take a break. I don't have time to call my friends or to talk to them. I got friends that stop by, you know, and I'm working and we're just talking and hanging out, but I'm working Yeah. and I don't know. I just I just needed time to myself to do stuff. So I was on Amazon and bought that thing that Nick told me to buy that when um, air filtration thing. I got that, set that up, and then I bought just a bunch of random fittings and tubing to uh, make a dust collector type thing. Hmm. 
and I, I did uh I took a five gallon bucket and drilled a two by four in on the along the top of it and then drilled like two holes in it so I can put a hose in one side and the other so it make like a cycling thing. I don't know, I just saw that on the internet or something that yeah. you know, I could make something like uh, that. You're gonna wanna fill that with a little bit of water. It makes a mess, but like you're dealing with sparks. So if you I know that's using, a- and wood, and then you go to metal. You're gonna light that thing on fire. I did a couple times. Like well, I'm worried about I'm worried about burning my vacuum starting on fire. Cause yeah, when you're mm. when you're throwing sparks, and you got that suction, that airflow, those sparks get brighter when they hit the. They stay lit. Yeah, and I've got I got see through tubing, so there you, you go. can see it going into there. And yeah, we we're at Jeremy's at one time. His one of his buddies was over there, and he started his good shot back on fire, burnt the motor up. I've lit six vacuums on fire. <laughs> yeah, like I Jeff, can't... yeah, you work in a lot of Zerk, man. Like, you, you must like uh, the shop fire is like an ever present thing. And, yeah, and Black Tie Mascus, like you, you go through that stuff like crazy. Yeah, I get more fires from titanium. Really? Oh yeah, for sure. Because when I'm using that, grind it faster. Black Tie Mascus, I'll, I'll grind it hard, and you when it once it burns, it it's not going to burn again. You know, when you're when you're throwing sparks. Those sparks are they're burnt, they're ashes when they're done. Mm. Uh, if you're grinding it slow and you're grinding and throwing little pieces, Chunks, there, yeah. like this is the worst thing that I do is when you're using a Trizac or whatever, an A65 belt, and you're not throwing sparks and profiling the edges and you're holding something like a clip or something, it throws that dust and that dust piles up on your, the end of your finger. And then one spark, and it's like lighting a fuse on your finger. Oh, shit. oh that's the worst. Yeah. The worst thing that I got in the shop was I had a circuit tie pile up on the webbing between my my thumb and my pointer. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard there. the story like twelve times. Yeah, it was, dude. It was bad. Like I, I it was, it was. I don't know what the reburn it was, but I was in pain for a couple of weeks. And yeah, kind of because it wouldn't go out. It kind of welded to my skin. I could, I felt my hand in the in the grinding bucket, but water doesn't put out that fire. It's too hot. Yeah, this is way more Instagram. It's not fast enough, yeah. at least. Yeah, huh. It was literally burning underwater. I just had to burn itself out. By the time I did that, it was just a little white hole in the webbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other the other thing that I've had, um, like a, I haven't really had a fire, but um, I've got tubes for launching mortars, and I I cut the tops off oh, yeah. of them, made it made it a little shorter, <laughs> and I I cut strips of sandpaper. That I, I fold those up or whatever and use a push stick when I'm finishing blades. Well, I've got those tubes. They're on my on the um, side that the sparks typically don't go to. And I like a spark hit the um, paper and it kind of just sat there and smoldered. I'm like, what the hell's on fire? I'm like looking around. I can smell smoke. I smell something burning, but it's like smoldering in there and up like half of my sandpaper. Oof. Damn. All right. And then the other thing would be. Uh, on the mill when you're milling black time ascus or zerk and you throw a chip and the first time you try to blow it out with air well that doesn't work no that's definitely how you do it it off Hmm. so you got i don't know you just got to be smart with it not necessarily osha approved (laughs) osha approved in here yeah just i I mean no knife shop is a lot uh, my shop is somewhat. 
because uh, I have to pass codes. I don't I think that knife making is OSHA approved. How about that? No, the profession like, itself like, is. Wait, you're making you're making okay. sharp things that like no, like no, that's not good. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh. That's for weird. every hundred times I cut myself in the shop, only one of them was from a knife. Oh <laughs> shit! Is that right? Yeah, I, I used to. I don't know. I used to put my fingers in the bandsaw. I think just for the fun of it. I used to Sometimes I don't know, you're, I'd be rushing to do something and I was tired being up for a few days and I used to drink a lot of beer. You know what? Fuck it. And you're just you're you know, cutting out a pocket clip and you're you're pushing on it and you just slip off of it and put go right into the bandsaw, right down to the bone. Oh man! Right. Yeah, I, I did that with the, with the pointer finger too. I was cutting carbon fiber with the tie liner, and I didn't see that I finished cutting through the tie, so I just completely shot through the carbon. I just went right, right through the middle, about yeah. a quarter. Yeah. Now my fingers, my fingers get numb when it's like sixty degrees out. Oh, all right. So no feeling anyway. You're good. Yeah, it, well, they get they get so numb that I don't know. It sucks. I don't like it. I, they just sound beat up so many times. Hmm. The Our, nerve endings are all shocked. Pretty much, yeah. Like when I feel my fingers, I can tell. I can feel the numbness or whatever. But yeah. So, is there any any future plans? I know you say you're not working on any new designs, but any any future, like new projects that you're working on or collabs or whatever. Oh, actually, there. Um, I'm not going to say any names or whatever, but, well, I talked to you about grinding some blades. Are we going to do that? Are we doing I'm that? I'm not going to mention any names, but, like... Someone contacted me on Instagram, and it's a, um, it's a double-edged um, dagger folder. It's kind of cool. I haven't... He asked me if I was interested in doing a collab, and I'm like, I asked him what he had in mind or where he lived, and... Uh, he sent me a picture. I'm like, yeah, send it to me, and I'll I'll take a look at it and see if it's something that's. Yep. I actually I remember I remember our conversation now. I completely forgot that it was it was like at two a.m. in the Vegas casino. I was drunk off my ass, and you were wearing an Armani shirt. It was the first yes. time I've seen you wearing sleeves. Okay, I remember some <laughs> conversation now. Jeff was looking sharp, dude. Got that new yeah, shirt right. on. Yep. Yeah, I cut off, the dude, sleeves yeah. off of that when I got home. No, I'm oh, <laughs> this is seven dollars. He's off now. I left Vegas. Touchdown on the tarmac. Cut those fucking sleeves off. Done. Hey, we, we're we, in we, Michigan, we, you know. That's I great. thought about making the card off. That's yeah. We, we we popped up. I saw I saw Jeff. He was like well dressed. Had sleeves. Had lo- his 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 pants weren't weren't cut into shorts. I was like, no, those were like Armani tailored pants that I bought. Nice. Years ago, no, I've never. I've always seen you, you. You've always every time I see you, you always have an old shirt that you cut the sleeves off of, and then you have pants that you cut the the, the, the pant legs off of. No, those are I buy those. Those are like true religion shorts, but oh, uh, I, I got gotcha. I buy them like that, and uh, that's me though, man. That's how I feel that's comfortable. How, that's, that's how I expect to see you. That's why when I saw you in like, right. the Vandermeulen style, yeah. so I was like, well, I want. There was a. Uh, some guys from the gathering that they knew they knew me and um not that good but i uh walked up to them and i was wearing that and then i was wearing those red bottoms too that uh oh yeah nice so so i I walk up to these guys and 
I'm like, um, or I asked him how it's going, and they just kind of like put his like pushed his arm up like to shoo me away, like fuck off, you know. And uh, I I'm like, uh, and then I thought about I'm like, and then I just go, did you did you enjoy the show? And they're like, what? Show? And I go to the gathering, and then he's like. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're Jeff Vandermeulen. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't recognize you with the $1,500 shoes and shirt and stuff. I looked like a, one of those, I don't know, like one of those guys that are trying to sell you shit or promote I'll it. up for Vegas, my dude. Yeah. Mm. That's great. I like so the, stuff once The Vegas time. look. Yeah. You should have told me you just robbed a dealer. Yeah, there you go. Should have. <laughs> so possible possible collabs with unnamed people in the future slash named people yeah. uh, that sounds that sounds pretty good and and you're working on ballet songs yeah because you've been bugging me for so long hell yeah i am that's great what i want to do is uh you know travis words yeah him and I, we hang out all the time when we go to like at the shows or whatever. He's a good friend, and uh, he was he was talking. Um, I need to go out there, and we need to make something. And I have no idea what we'd make, but it would be cool. There you go. That's that's your next that's your next fixed blade collab. There you go. Yeah, like a sword or something. Yeah, there you, you guys doing that? I don't know about that. That's a little crazy. I don't even know what we'd make. Travis is a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, we'd have fun making it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had, I had, um, a bunch of money saved up so I could take some time off and do that. Like, I don't know. I thought about going out out west again to Tyler Turner's out in uh, Missouri, and hmm. I went out there deer hunting one time, and we just hung out and. Knives. Made well. We didn't make knives. We talked knives. He was kind of. He was. He's uh came a long way since then, like three years ago. Um, getting some equipment and man, that dude. He does some good work, like some uh nice quality, fine, fine work. But uh, I don't know. All all in good time uh, in the future. Yeah, yeah. There's options. There you go. Um, so we're about past that hour mark. Is there anything else you'd like to put in, Jeff, before we start wrapping it up? I don't know. Well, so okay, so your books are closed. No, they're um, not closed. They're open. I could, I could open. really go for some orders because I don't have. I've got. I'm working on my last order right now. Well, what's what's the best way for people to contact you? Phone. Phone. You want to give yeah, your phone number? Can... Yeah, shoot your phone number out there, man. All right, it's on my Instagram profile, and it's on it's on my social media, but it's 616-293-1248. And don't forget, ladies, he's single. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm single. So uh, look, looking for orders and offers on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Email, don't even think about emailing me, because uh, I won't check it. No email, but do you, you do text. I don't, I don't check my email. I, I'll reply to people that emailed me like three years ago, 
it's more just like joking around, but his books are open and he's looking for casual encounters. Yep. All right. Well, I th- I think the best cool, thing to do is know. call. And I know that some people are overseas or whatever, and and they can't call. And I'll I'll text with them like that. But well, what about um DMs on Instagram? Is that just to get my attention? But then I say, give me a call. Like right. if you got a spa treatment, if you got an issue, don't text me because I'm a dick when people text. Like. I answer questions, yes, no. I don't get into stories. I don't, like, type. And if you got a problem and I'm, like, thinking about it, I don't talk. know. You want to talk. I, I can talk about it and everything's fine. But when you text, you know, especially with an issue, um, it, there's no, um, like, emotion behind it or, like, uh, tone. You know, it's like yes or no. You know, I just sound like I could be tell them to F off or, you know, but I'm not, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't like, I just don't like texting and shit. Okay. But, so definitely pick up the phone, give you a yeah, call. Pick up the phone and call me. And if I don't answer or whatever, just call back. That's the yeah. only thing I don't check voicemails either. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just see him at Blade Show. So just, just call right, until everybody. Jeff answers. Yeah, just call and him. And then, and then it's, it's the first way to do it. The time, just call it. Just keep calling. All right. Yeah, well, I, think I don't have a problem with that. And then you get me on the phone, and then it freaking takes forever because I get talking sometimes. But he right. likes to talk. Yeah. Well, the like guy this? gets lonely in the shop. It's just me and Sandy. Sandy doesn't talk. Sometimes, sometimes you know, if I hadn't talked to anyone in a while, I'd be a little more talkative, I guess. But good times. All right. Well, well, with that, uh, Nick Chuprin. Of NCC Knives out. Elijah Isham of Isham Blade Works signing off. All right, everybody. Thanks again for another another awesome episode of Bladeology. This is Jeremiah Burbank signing off. Jeff Vandermeulen out. Mm-hmm.